thank you for listening. Uh, just just a little note about this episode. Matt had a power outage and then his phone died. So he found himself in his car. And so uh, you may notice the audio uh, in Matt's voice. And he also didn't talk as much. Just making a note of that. But thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to Theologizing Life, where we talk about how what you think about God shapes the lives you live. Uh, my name is Anthony. I'm one of the hosts. And with me is uh, the one and only Professor Matt Tracy. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Eventually, Mr. Matt Tracy, in about 10 years, will be Dr. Professor Let's call that six years. <laughs> yeah, we don't want it to take ten. You don't want it to take ten years, right? Man, um, that sounds terrible. That made my stomach hurt when you said that. Ten years. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll you'll be finished much before that. I hope. Um, <laughs> well, today we have a very special guest. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce to any of our listeners who've been following us for a while my uh, my kids' pastor. Uh, so. Uh, Linda Hillegoss is joining us today. Linda, you can say hi. Clarify. Hi. Kids pastor at the church you serve at now, but like, oh yeah, or kids pastor, which is even cooler. Yeah, my growing up, uh, I met Linda when I was in second or third, I think second grade actually. So, um, but yeah, so Linda, or uh, when I met you, it was Miss Linda. Yeah, is how I how we used to know you. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us uh, just even an overview of your testimony, your story. Uh, share with us uh, who, who is Linda Hillegas. Well, Anthony, it is so good to see you, and Matt, it's nice to meet you as well. And I'm excited that you would want to know um, a little bit about me and about the ministry that I had at Grace Church. Um, you were a part of that for a number of years, and. Um, I actually uh, came from a pretty big family. I had six, uh, there were six of us children, mom and dad. And my, I my mom had like 10 siblings. And so lots of cousins and aunts and things like that. I tell you, because that's important in, in how I got into ministry. And so um, when I was younger, I went to a, um, a lot of actually three different denominations growing up, the Nazarene church, the, um, Prince Church and the Baptist Church. So I've been to a lot of different uh, churches and um, I was in a fifth grader in a storefront church. It was a small church and I ha had a Sunday school teacher. She was elderly, at least I thought she was. She may not have been, but I was only about 10 or 11 at that time. And so if you're over 30 year old back, you know, and so I thought she was elderly, but um, I can't remember her name. I just know she was my Sunday school teacher um, she cared for us. She prayed for us. And um, after our Sunday school class one day, we went into the big service because uh, we always, which wasn't huge, but we always um, would attend the big service. We had Sunday school and then even the kids came in. And I can remember sitting and listening to the pastor and um, listening to the song, Just As I Am, which I'm not so sure anybody's going to know what that is now, but that was a beautiful hymn. Well, I do think you'll know. And that really tucked at my heart and the Lord, I felt the Lord talk, the Holy Spirit speaking. And I went forward to the altar, which is something I don't know that too many kids have the opportunity to do anymore, but I did go 
uh, forward to the altar and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior or forever friend is what we said in the Grace Kids Department. So um, that's how I came to know the Lord. But there were a couple of um, um, events in my life that uh, brought me to him and also helped me do ministry. One of those is I was sexually abused by my friend's dad when, when he was, um, when I was uh, in elementary. And so when I did ministry, that was my number one job was to keep the kids safe. So we were doing background checks and all of that stuff early on. Um, and that was in 19, I started uh, 1992, I think it was 91 or 92. So we were doing all those things early on because of that um, experience that I had. And then also my dad died when I was 15 years old. He was 39. He died of cancer. Uh, he was, he had not, my mom was the one that took us to church. My dad did not attend church, but before he passed away, he was sick for a year and a half before he passed away. He actually, um, he actually came to know the Lord and, and was baptized. So that I'm thankful for. So um, I had a really good friend's family who took me under the wing during my dad's illness um, because my mom was so busy taking care of him and uh, hospitals were few and far between then. We lived in Alexandria, which is close to, uh, well, it's between Anderson and Marion. So we lived in Alexandria and my mom would travel to Indy for all the treatments and things for him. Wow. So my neighbor, my girlfriend, my friend and her family took me under their wings. And that was a family that uh, went to church. They had a relationship with Jesus and they also nurtured me. Um, I learned uh, what a, a family relationship was like or with Jesus to have your family, the whole family involved. Um, so I got to see that firsthand and that was really important uh, in my life. And it made a big difference. They were, they just actually, one is still living and he's probably 90, I think 90 something. Um, wow. but they made a really big impact on my life. Um, so, um, let me make, I will interject here that even though I knew right from wrong at an early age, I didn't always do what was right. I made some really poor decisions growing up. Um, I uh, chose to do a few things that I really regret, but I there's a song that Mercy Me does called um, Dear Younger Me. Have you heard that one? And it's the I older don't, don't person. Know. Don't think so. It's the older person grown up talking to the younger person when they, well, when they were young. And it says this, it says, uh, do I go deep and try to change the choices that you'll make? Because they're the choices that made me. And I have to say, those choices that I made back then, though not the best choices, actually made me who I am. It made me, um, I have forgiveness. I'm easy. I forgive easy. Um, forgiveness and grace. And I know that I have those and give freely because God gives it freely to me. I can't point my finger and say, shame on you. Don't do that. Because my fingers what four is pointing back at me is that the saying you've got one i'm pointing at you there's four more pointing back at me so so i um truly am thankful for god's uh, forgiveness in my life and and just that he could use me in ministry is just amazing so that's pretty much my story i think um i didn't yeah i didn't know uh all of that uh and that's those are 
now and kind of where where we're at with what people understand about psychology and just the human um neurology and all this stuff like the abuse and your father passing away at a young age those are very um even traumatic and formational uh mm -hmm. events in someone's life <clears throat> yes. but i've also found and and you may share this more but you kind of alluded to it those have a way of um helping us enter pastorally if we're in ministry into people's stories because uh what i've found in ministry is those kinds of experiences are more common than i realize like there's more people in our churches sitting beside us that have gone through a similar struggle too and um we're able to have that grace and compassion and empathy and and things yeah, that you that. alluded to absolutely and and my father's death has uh gave me the opportunity uh, i missed having him around obviously but it gave me the opportunity to share with kids who lose a parent or a grandparent mm -hmm. or i can feel i can comfort them and so god's used both of those events in my life to to make to to do ministry so yes yeah yeah well, I met you when I, uh, I was probably in second or third grade. Uh, I think when our family started going to Grace Church uh, in Mooresville, Indiana, and you were the children's ministry pastor there uh, or director. I'm not sure. I don't remember the the title. Yeah. Some churches are specific. Anthony, I think that's a, um, I was Pastor Jim had told me, Linda, you do just what we do. You can call yourself a pastor because I did not have pastoral training uh, until, uh, well, anyway, I did not. So he told me, you know, which was very kind, but I actually, um, began to use the kids ministry director, uh, when we moved over to the new building. So that's what I used there. Yeah. So. Uh, and what's, as I thought about it, you served in that capacity for years as, uh, you recently, only recently retired. You, uh, was it a couple, two years ago? Was it 21? Yes. Uh, it was um, it was right. It was in twenty twenty one. Yes, yeah. I had done it for twenty eight years. So tell us, how did you find yourself in what we would call vocational ministry in a local church, and then specifically in kids ministry? What's the story of how that? Uh, how how did you find yourself at Grace Church as the kids ministry director pastor? Well, Anthony, um, it really is kind of a neat story because um, I Steve and I. Uh, I'm married to Steve, uh, my husband, and we have been for 45 years this month. And so uh, we'll be celebrating our anniversary. And Steve was also a teacher at the school here in Mooresville. We, we moved down here when we first got married and he was active in the sports. He was a teacher, but he also coached. He did the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so for a, uh, for a lot of years, he did that for like 30 years, I think, had the FCA. And so uh, I was kind of his helpmate there. And for eight years, um, we, I don't know if you knew this even, we tried to have children and couldn't. And um, which is a really hard experience to go through. Um, uh, really tough. And there's a lot of women out there with, and men with that issue, but, or that problem. But we really um, wanted children, but for eight years, we didn't have them. But Steve was FCA sponsor. And so I had already decided that must be through a lot of tears and prayer, that that must be where God 
that's our children. We will we will help raise them in the Lord. Um, and uh, so that's kind of how we felt. It was shortly after that I finally made peace, you know, with God. Sometimes I was angry with God through all of that, but I made peace with God and um, I never left. Steve and I uh, started attending Grace Church and um, we had been there about a year or so. And the Pastor Jim had asked me a few times to do some children's sermons. So I did a few of those. Um, and then uh, I taught, I had, was called and asked to do a, um, to sub in a classroom kids classroom. Now I had worked at the, another church, not worked, but I had gone to another church and served uh, a little bit in a kid, the kids department, um, but only a little, but I subbed that Sunday at Grace, Sunday nights when we had Sunday school there. Remember that? It was in the Sunday mm -hmm. evenings. And so um, uh, I subbed one evening and I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it and thought the kids enjoyed it. And, um, but I never was asked again and so I was really discouraged. I had little ones at home. I think Jared and Kristen were two and five. Uh, I wanted to serve and be active in a church, in the church. And um, I remember crying out one night to the Lord that, you know, use me somewhere. Just use me somewhere. I'm here. And um, I bet it was a week later, I got a call from Pastor Jim and wanted to come over and spend some time talking to Steve and I. Uh, never did I think it was about me. I thought it was probably more something they wanted Steve to do or something. And um, him and Sharon came over and we, uh, he, not too long into the conversation, he said, Linda, would you be interested in leading our Grace Church Children's Ministry? And uh, I think my teeth, I had my own teeth, so I couldn't, they couldn't drop out. But anyway, I, I was surprised. Um, I talked with Steve and I talked about, I asked to give me a little time so we could talk and pray about it, but it didn't take long. I knew exactly that I was going to say yes, if Steve agreed and he absolutely agreed. And so I did, but um, it was a volunteer position. Um, so when my kids were, well, were both in school, a couple of three years, I think it was, then Kristen was in uh, kindergarten, no, first grade. And um, I went to the elder one, my elder, what was kind of neat, they assigned an elder to each one of the staff members. And so yeah. he, he met with me quite often. Um, he was also one of my teachers. He taught fifth and sixth grade uh, back then. And uh, I told him, I said, John, I'm going to have to go back to work. My husband's a teacher <laughs> and our finances, you know, I need to um, make a little money as well. And he says, well, if I go back to the elders and they agree. So in the law there, that's a long story, but he said, um, he, they they hired me. It was only like for five hours a week, which you know that you can't do anything in five hours for ministry, right? It's never right. That. Yeah. Um, so that's how I I started in the ministry. Um, I did not have any uh, training, and uh, so I began to study. There's lots of um, uh, information out there now, especially, and so many. I did do the Kidman Academy. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Kidman Academy. Mm -hmm. It's actually the founder's Ryan Frank, and he's out of um, he's out of Marion, actually, Indiana, but it's a, a national thing, or it's all over the world, actually. So I did online classes. It was a year-long study, and it's actual uh, people in ministry, kids' ministry, that do the teaching, and so I did do that, and that was extremely helpful, and so that's how I got into ministry at Grace Church. Yeah, that's really neat. I want to... Um... Before I go to the next question, I want to ask, uh, so uh, you and Steve uh, 
how, how did you and Steve meet? And it sounds like, you know, Steve was also uh, a Jesus follower and was involved in fellowship of Christian athletes in that, like you guys ministering as a couple was uh, somewhat, at least somewhat present at the beginning. It wasn't something that later kind of came around um, or I don't know, tell us, tell us a little bit about, about that. Oh, yes. Um, Steve is, is besides the Lord, he's my rock. Um, he's a man of integrity. He's a godly man. Um, we both grew up in Alexandria. We both went to high school in the same grade, but we were not, we were not real friends. We knew each other. It, it's Alex, a small community and, um, our, our classes were not used, but we were not, uh, we didn't know each other well, um, but after uh, he, we graduated high school, um, we met through one of his friends and uh, began to date. And he really was, I think, a, uh, uh, I know that God put him in my path um, and that we, he was strong in his faith. I had actually done a bicycle trip with the ambassador on wheels um, and I, him and I both, I did a bicycle trip. Um, I can't remember where we traveled on the bikes, but it was far Michigan, I think, but Steve had done, um, Dan ice was the fellowship of Christian athletes in Alexandria. And he actually took my husband, Steve and other people, including myself on bicycle trips. And we would sing in churches and, and, uh, uh, I think, I don't know that Dan preached, but we would sing in churches but we, Steve has gone to New Orleans and um, Mackinac Island. And then when we came to Grace, um, he actually started bicycle trips at the high school in Mooresville and took several of those, one to Washington, D.C. and the other one, I think he took them back to Michigan. So, um, and on those trips, um, they're all, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing and a, an adventure and just really exciting. So Steve and I did come down this way um, with the thought of doing ministry or at least being an impact in kids' lives. Um, never did I know it would be not just his from his end and his ministry at the school, um, which was a public school, but it was very active in the FC and stuff. Um, but also uh, God used me in a ministry, which really amazes me that he could use someone like me, just a plain old me. That's, he used me. So yes, we uh, fell in love, got married, but we asked his dad, we wanted to get married when he was in college. And uh, we sat his dad down and said, you know, we'd like to get married. And his dad looked at Steve and said, well, Steve, how are you going to pay the bills? And because uh, he's in college, you know, and, and uh, Steve says, well, um, I thought you might still pay for college. And then, and Steve's, and uh, <laughs> anyway, his dad, I lean in and I say, but Orville, his name was Orville. I love him. And uh, Oral said, Linda, love doesn't pay the bills. And so my husband, Steve, knowing uh, the kind of person he is, uh, he waited. We waited till after college. When he graduated from college, we headed down this way. So, um, and yes, ministry has been important in our lives. And we had kids out back in our great big backyard, 40 kids at a time on Sunday afternoon from FCA. And a lot of athletes came to know the Lord through FCA. And so we did retreats uh, four times a year. We would do retreats. He, we would take the, the boys would go 
uh, near Turkey Run, there was an FCA conference center and uh, we would take the boys uh, one weekend and the girls the next weekend. And then that was in the fall and in the spring, we did the exact same thing. So we were doing ministry big time. Those eight years, we didn't have children. Yeah. So. Wow. And so then you come to Grace Church and Jim asked you to be the um, the director. And then you ended up uh, in that, I'm not sure if it was pitched to you as short term or, or what you thought, but uh, you end up in that role for 28 years. Yes. Uh, yes. And um, in 28 years, a church goes through a lot of life. Uh, and yeah. there were some transit transitions that happened. Um, I remember the church experienced some growth, it seemed. Um, when I was younger, there was growth happening. And so there's a building project and it wasn't like an add-on. We actually, there was a new building, uh, a completely new building built. And uh, then uh, you, I think even experienced more because I had went on to college by this point, but there was some staff transitions and, and all of those things bring very uh, just interesting challenges uh, to a church but more so even to the staff that are part of trying to lead through those changes. And so without sharing too much, um, uh, could you share some of the harder moments during your time serving in the local church? Um, and then perhaps uh, kind of your insights or hindsight, looking back on navigating those tumultuous times. Yes. Um, 28 years. I hadn't, I don't know if I'd planned on being that. I don't know. I was just going where God wanted me to go and, and I'd stay as long as he needed me to stay. Um, but I never had a desire to go into any other ministry. Uh, children are what I love. Um, I still like to hang out with kids. Um, I've got my grandkids. I, I watch quite often, but yes, um, we had a, um, I stayed 28 years, but we did have a building project in there. And um, it was exciting, anxious, maybe it's a little bit of anxiety in it, because with uh, going into a new building, we actually grew quite a bit when we went into the building as well. And so um, it did bring new and exciting challenges. Uh, Grace Kids was always a ministry that looked outwardly besides Sunday morning ministry to children. We had created uh, ministries inside that, that like the upward basketball program, the upward baseball program. We had uh, the Weekend of Champions, which was a sports camp. And so we did a lot of things like that. So we were an outwardly um, uh, ministry that looked into the community to, to help. And so um, we did grow quite a bit, which did bring some changes. Uh, in those 28 years, I served under two different lead pastors, three different worship pastors, three different administrative pastors, and alongside two different youth pastors. Um, and... Each one and each change brought excitement, but also some anxiety. Um, and our God calls us to do some new and hard things sometimes. And it was hard sometimes. I won't lie. Um, you get close to people. You love people. Um, uh, your staff is family a lot of times. So there were hard times during a lot of that, but we definitely grew. The thing that I found uh, I needed to do was to remember that the ministry is not mine, that children's ministry belonged to the Lord and Grace Church children's ministry would belong to the Lord. And so I needed to remember that we had elders in place, we had leadership in place, 
and they um they when we did have changes they brought in the new people we needed to have um and i needed to trust that and that i that learning new leadership styles uh is the first thing you have to do you have to learn i i learned that leadership uh, there are so many different kinds of leadership styles out there and we all don't lead the same way and so i needed to learn the style of that leader that we have, the pastor that we had. I had to learn that. I had to work with that because he is the one God put. I was under authority. He was my authority and I was under him. And so um, I needed to learn how to maneuver that. And it was good for me. And uh, I grew from every staff member that I have worked under and with. He, They both were wonderful pastors. They both loved the Lord. They both wanted people to come um, to Jesus. And uh, so I was really um, fortunate to be able to serve under um, such good men. Um, another thing that's important is to stay unified in ministry because um, we, we um, a children's ministry can't be successful if the, um, uh, the other ministries are, aren't successful. And the adult services can't be successful if our kids ministry isn't successful so we have yeah. to work together we have to stay unified and we have to stay on the same page so um i learned a lot at the beginning of my career i suppose career in ministry um i didn't end up the same person i was a much better person because of the people i worked with and that god brought into my life but i did have to learn how to maneuver all of those things hard yes sometimes but worth it, yes, definitely worth it. Um, before Matt moves on to the next question, I'm going to give Matt an opportunity to talk. We almost lost Matt, uh, actually, yeah. audience. His power went out, and yeah, there uh, uh, I live in a new neighborhood, and they're doing some construction, and it probably means that they killed a power line while they were digging or something. So that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> but, hopefully, your power will come back on later before i pass to you matt uh i just want to summarize kind of what i heard you share there i heard um i heard uh recognizing kind of the importance of of submission um in, in a biblical sense and i think it's a hard word because i think a lot of power a lot of figures in power and authority have even used religious terms to create a culture of subjugation um, which isn't biblical submission, but I what I heard was just the importance of you honoring um, the authority that was over you, and I think that is one of the harder things in churches because leaders sometimes, even if they're in other ministries, can have their own sense of vision or own sense of direction um, that God's leading them, and sometimes if it feels like that's different than whoever's over them, there could be this clash. It sounds like one of the things that contributed to your longevity was just a humility of of being able to come under um, the authority at the time. Uh, yes. And then the unity piece was another thing um, that really stuck out that you shared uh, about that. Um, yeah, those are, I think, really insightful, really helpful uh, things to if you're in ministry, but even if you're not in ministry, like if you're in another job and there's 
a manager transition, um, you can kind of fight against it or learn the leadership style and learn to uh, come under and contribute to the culture you want to, the environment you want to work in, you know. During those seasons when ministry was hard and we've all, we've all been there. Um, what are some of the things that kept you going? Like, how did you care for your own soul? How did you stay motivated? How did you, I mean, we've all had days where we just wanted to peg up the office and, and walk out. <laughs> uh, what, are, what are some of the things that you did uh, just personally in your own spiritual life that kept you going? I think one of the most um, important things for me to do when um, I go through hard times or um, just, well, not just hard times. I do it quite often. Music soothes my soul. I love music. It speaks to me. I can't sing a lick, but I sure can listen. And I love, I love to dance. I really do. It soothes my heart, mends my mind. Uh, it can take my thoughts and bring them around to match God's thoughts. My kitchen is my dance floor. It's a big kitchen here. And I just will listen. I'll turn on I love um, Mercy Me, uh, Colton Dixon, uh, Lauren Daigle, and Wilson, Toby Mack. I love that music, and it just speaks to me. So I will, after a hard day, I, I still do it. I will turn my music on, and I will I will dance like David did, um, and uh, it just soothes my soul. So that is, that is one of the ways I do. I praise God in my kitchen. My hands are up, and I'm singing. Um, usually, no one's here, but... Um, Steve's heard me a few times. Um, so that, that is, uh, one of the things that really soothes my soul and will get me focused back on the right things. Um, and I love the scripture about, uh, having to control our minds and our thoughts. And, um, that's one thing I, I still am learning to do. So we're never, we're never grown up spiritually. We, uh, are continually learning. And so, I have to, I have, I've become a little more victorious over that, keeping my thoughts in check, uh, not thinking, think on what is true and pure and lovely and those things. And so um, those are the kind of the ways and prayer. Um, a couple of things though, that were important for me is I had, um, and she's still on staff at Grace. I had a good friend um, that's on staff that also was one of my team members. Um, I mean, she worked in the Grace Kids Department as a team leader for me. And she was very good about saying, Linda, you need to get away. You need to get away, relax. Um, when I would go on spring break, I very rarely missed a Sunday morning, but Mondays were my day off. And that's when I would uh, um, uh, relax, uh, do my Bible reading. You read the Bible all the time when you're in ministry because you're studying for the lessons, you're preparing curriculum things like that, but to actually um, meditate on it and for the Lord to uh, um, heal anything inside that I need heal, not body, not health-wise, but spiritually. Um, then I would do that on a, on a Monday morning as well. That was my quiet time, quiet time every day, but that was my Sunday, was my Monday. But also vacation. Um, my friend would um, say, Linda, shut things down, turn your phone off, we'll take care of things here. And she had been with me for, 20 some years she 26 years and so um i was able to just shut down on when we'd go away for spring break and she would take care of things um, i was there if she needed me 
Um, but that was good to have somebody like that. And also in our community, um, there was one pastor, kids pastor or ministry director at a church here that I would meet with and uh, we would pray together and we, we could, if you're not a kids ministry director, you have no idea the pressure, well, the things you go through. So sitting down and talking with her truly helped me refocus and understand maybe this is why things are happening or this is what I need to do, but we could bounce things off and pray together. And it, that was a good way. So those are kind of the ways, Matt, that I've um, been able to um, rejuvenate uh, and stay active and uh, alert and whatnot with yeah. ministry. Yeah, the, the scripture reading piece, I think um, that was one of the traps I fell into. It's like, I work in a church or like I work at a school. I'm studying this full time. Like I read the Bible every day <laughs> you know but right. uh if it's it's different i mean it's not that it doesn't like count or anything like but when you're reading it to teach it or you know reading it for your job it's different than reading it for yourself it is. Um, because maybe the things that god wants you to tell other people are not the things that he wants to tell you or um you know something like that so there, that's yeah. one of the traps that i frequently fall into is like you know, I, I read the Bible all the time, so I don't, I don't need to read it for myself, but it's not true. You're um, right. It, it, so. it, sometimes, uh, yes, and there are, there are times when, and I have to be careful now because I did do so much of the Bible reading and things and the stories and whatnot at, when I was in ministry, I've got to be careful to make sure I, I am in the word now because it is, mm -hmm. it is harder now. I am not in, well, I am in the word, but it's not like I was, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So 28 years in, in ministry, um, that was all at the same church, you yes, said? It was, yes, yes. That's, that's incredible and also rare. <laughs> you know, you don't often see someone, you know, in the same church for 28 years. That's awesome. Um, so it's one of the most rewarding parts of, of being in that spot, um, just as someone who's obviously been around the block for in the, in that ministry. I, I think, you know what, um, watch, uh, watching a fine young man that started out in second grade, oh. <laughs> he loves his family and serves God and his people as a pastor in a church. I think Anthony, I'm talking to you that that is a blessing. It really is. Uh, that's a highlight. Also seeing the little girl, Growing up in our kids' ministry, then in sixth grade, she becomes a helper in a classroom and then a small group leader, then a counselor at church camp, and, and then a teacher in a school. We've got, I've got several of those who teach school now, and, and it's just a blessing to have been a part of their early life and knowing that God could use me in that way. Um, also, I've got a, a husband that came to my office once, and uh, not my husband, uh, a husband that came to my office and was really discouraged and um, his wife had filed for divorce and um, they both had kids in the kids department and I had helped them outside of church by watching their kids now and then when they had some things and anyway um, he, he came into my office and we talked and we prayed together and then I met with both of them and I'm not a counselor I have no degrees in that at all but um, just for, through caring for them, loving them, talking with them about marriage, about how Steve and I have gotten through things. Um, 
they are still married today and that's probably been 10, 10, 15 years ago. So that's one of the blessings. Um, I had a young man who I struggled uh, with. I wept over him actually. I, I, uh, um, I didn't know where he would end up and saw him. Uh, I've seen him quite a few times lately. Uh, he's grown up, he's adult, graduated from school, not sure that he went to college. Um, but he hugged me and called me Miss Linda and he's doing mm -hmm. well. And yeah, Miss, I'm really a Mrs. Linda, but Miss Linda was easier for kids. Mm -hmm. um, seeing um, old um, ch or children that are older now, um, those are such a blessing. You know what? I see, I've seen birth to weddings, you know, to marriage. I've seen kids who have been mm -hmm. born and been married and then they brought their grandkids to, or their kids to church. So um, it's, it is a real blessing to watch that, to be able to see those blessings. If you move to other churches, you don't get to see that. Um, and it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. to, I mean, God moves you where you, you know, he wants you to go. Um, I'm thankful that he let me stay and yeah. uh, do ministry here. Yeah, I, I hope to. I mean, I was at a church for just four years and I, I got a taste of that, you know, seeing kids go from middle school through high school. And that was uh, rewarding as well. And I can't imagine what it's like to, I know Anthony's had this before, like he's been, he's married former students and um, officiated their weddings. And um, I should say, but yeah, I did. I uh, did marry him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He officiated their weddings uh, is what I meant to say. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've yeah, I, I, I can imagine that that's pretty incredible. Yes, it, it is. And I, I've actually done um, some uh, some celebration of lives or funerals for people. Um, and uh, one of them was my teacher. One of them was Opal Fox, uh, Anthony, and you probably remember her, mm -hmm. uh, a woman that worked in ministry for years and years in the two-year-old class. She never, she, she stayed in the two-year-old class for that long. And she was wonderful. She was my own kid's teacher and uh, got to do her uh, uh speak at her celebration of life and so just really need all the things that you do get to see when you stay so yes yeah um so i have a i have a three-year-old who you probably actually can hear crying in the background right now uh upstairs <laughs> and i also have a i also have a two-month-old and uh so i'm listening closely to this answer anthony probably as well uh what are what are some of the things that you've learned from serving families in the church that you would want to share with parents today? Okay. Um, I, I think it was a privilege to serve families in the church. And what I found was amazing is that while I served them, I was a servant leader. Um, I, I, that's, that was my leadership style. I was definitely a servant leader. And so when I would serve these families, I found that in turn, they turned around and served in the kids ministry. Um, they were a part of it. And so that was always um, rewarding to me to see them come in and serve. And I think it's important for your kids themselves to see you serving uh, in the church and being a part of that. And that gives them that um, uh, that experience of, of serving as well. Um, I think families are pretty busy these days, sometimes too busy. And um, I would encourage families to slow down, to prioritize what's important in the life of their children and their family. Um, I do uh, see 
with single parents out there, I can't imagine how hard that is, or even a working parent. Uh, I was a stay-at-home mom, except, and my kids would come to church with me, even in the summers um, when they were in school, they would come to church and hang out. So um, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I can't imagine what it's like to be even a working parent, uh, both parents working. I think that would be hard. Um, so I think you, you've got to pick and choose, not the work part, but the activities you have your kids in. Uh, I think you have to make a decision on what's really uh, important. Um, we need to ask the parents uh, what they need, and then we need to listen. Uh, I think we need to be an advocate for parents. Um, the ministry does anyway, uh, offer different kinds of parent workshops. Now, um, I think uh, an important part in today's world is the how to manage your social media, their social media. I have found even my little guy, um, we began, or I still have the Parent Q app on my phone, mm -hmm. which is, uh, we used, back then we used the 252 um, curriculum at church. I'm not, they don't use that anymore, but that's what we use. So I still have the Parent Q app and my little guy, he's uh, a year and a half. And so before nap time, we'll watch the lesson from that. Uh, and it's on a video. So he already knows how to scroll my phone, which is amazing. Um, we're not on it very much, but I that that's one of the, I think the most dangerous uh, areas of social media. And uh, with my husband at the middle, he was at the middle school at the end of his last years of uh, in the school system. Um, uh, there were several apps that were very very dangerous, and he would when he spoke to the coaches and their the families, he would mention that you know don't let your kids on these apps certain ones. And so we really got to be aware of the social media aspect. Uh, I think um, the earlier you can start uh, family devotions, um, I think that's important, but not always easy to do. Um, it really isn't. And a three-year-old, um, a little Bible story at night or in the morning or even in the afternoon, I think works well. Um, I think uh, we as a church need to come alongside the single parent a little more if we can. Um, we need to uh, not plan so many activities that they feel like, you know, parents feel like they have to be at every activity, um, but make sure that the things we do plan are important and are growing uh, relationships, um, making, helping the children grow relationships with Jesus. So um, I think we did a parent nights out for, we have a special needs program at our church. We did parent night out for that. Um, uh, I think giving your kids an opportunity to serve in the kids department was important. Um, they began serving as fifth and sixth graders as helpers. And um, in high school, we had a lot of small group leaders. When we did go through a few transitions, um, I will say that we lost, there were people that left the church. You, you That just happens. When you have a pastor leave, you have people leave. And so um, many times I would have openings that um, I could not find adults, but I had very godly, good teenagers um, over the age of 17 that would serve and do a wonderful job. So teaching your kids young to start serving and to do for others, I think is very important. Um, but it's a relationship. This is one thing I think I learned finally. Uh, I, don't, I don't know when I learned it. Um, I wish I'd known it early on, but... Um, I needed probably with my own kids to stress relationship more than rules. God isn't, he, he does, we, he does put down 
guidelines for us and rules and the law, the Ten Commandments. But he loves us even when we sin. And it's a relationship, building a relationship with him. And I wish I would have focused more on maybe building a relationship, but that's important. And um, so I don't know if that answers your question, Matt, some of the things that I would do. Yeah, absolutely. That's all good. My wife and I were just having a conversation about the social media thing the other day. Uh, we're, you know, a ways away from that. Uh, but it's like the, the catch 22, like, do you not let your kids use it and they'll feel left out or you let them use it and then and they're exposed to some pretty horrible stuff <laughs> potentially. So that's one of the things that we're kind of, you know, we're going to be losing sleep over that for a while, I think, because just seeing the way, exactly. just seeing the way it is now, it's, it's difficult. That's another thing. Um, Steve and I, um, we parented the same when it came to the, our kids as elementary kids. Um, we parented the same. But when they got into middle school and high schools, high school especially, we found that we butted heads some because we had been we had been raised a little differently in the teen years, um, and so we butted heads a little bit. Uh, we always did it in private, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. We had those discussions in private, but um, yes. So I would encourage young parents to talk early on about how you think you would want to raise your teenage children. Because there is, yeah. there, it is different. Um, you know, the, the discipline is different. You cannot do, you can't discipline the same way as you do a, a three-year-old with a, uh, a yeah. ten So that's one thing we really yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Out of curiosity, uh, you mentioned you had a special need, a special needs ministry yeah. at your church. We, yes. Um, we what was that? What was that like? What was that like? Yeah, what was that like? I that's a really under I think that's like an underserved kind of oh, demographic in the church. Um, very because their needs are obviously different, different than other kids. And what was that like? What was that ministry about? We started out, we had one child back in um oh gosh, early on, maybe two thousand. I don't know, it was really, really early on. And we decided we were going to make a special needs uh, make make a way for him to be able to join us in the classroom. And we had one woman who actually worked with this student at a school, a Christian school. And so she actually came in and she worked with this little guy for um, four or five years in the church uh, as he went through church, as he went through our program. And um, then when we moved to our new building, uh, we um, expanded that a little bit. They had their own room and uh, nothing like some of the churches I've been to, some really nice special needs programs. I mean, with uh, the walls that are textured and just the lighting and things. <clears throat> but we provided them with an area to go. We had a Sunday school lesson, just like uh, what we were learning in the other classes. And um, we had a team that taught them. Um, so we, we, um, ha we've had that. Oh, gosh, we've probably had that. And they still have it. Um, it's not a huge program. Um, it, we were up to about six or seven at one time, but I think now we're, we're down to four or five, uh, three or four. And um, so, yes, it's it's um, a really good program to have. There is yeah. an, a, a program out there that you can work with and they will help you um, make it um, uh, more 
not successful because we were we did ministry, but there is a program out there, a curriculum, I guess I would say. There's a curriculum out yeah. there you can use that is really good. But I we never got to that point. And um yeah. the person that took my job has not done anything mm -hmm. with that yet. So mm -hmm. yeah. I mean I would argue that even if if one one kid or one family is benefiting from the ministry, then it's successful and worth it. Yes. And so. some of those children are not children. We have two or three mm -hmm. adults that are in the program. I had, we okay. actually had one that uh, she, she functioned well and was able to be in the classroom with us, but she was probably 25 and uh, she, okay. would still be in the, she was in the third grade for our third grade class for a number of years. And nice. uh, so, yeah. So we, we worked them in there and, and they were wonderful to have with us. Every, yeah. And the kids learned how to, to uh, uh, work with them and, and uh, they learned compassion and kindness. They all did. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of talked about some uh, a little bit, like mentioning social media, but um, if you were to just sort of speak to some of the challenges facing kids and families today, um, what things did you see that kind of presented new challenges? Uh, and then what are some things that you have the wisdom to say, this isn't new, it just came in different packaging? Because I think sometimes we think things are new, um, but it's sort of it's sort of the same, whether it's the same temptation or the same trick, whatever, it's the same uh, obstacle, it just looks a little different. Um, what are what are what are some of the things you see facing families today? Well, I think the family breakdown is really um, affecting our kids. Um, we can only do ministry they're there. Now we can go, we can have small groups in homes, I suppose. But if the child's not there with us, we can't do much for them ministry wise. So parents, um, the divorce children, the, the children of divorced uh, parents, um, we only get them maybe two times a month. And you're talking a couple of hours a Sunday, if that. Uh, we do a Wednesday night program for our fifth and sixth grade. Um, so, but you're just not, they're not there. And so, I, and they also don't build the relationships with us that they used to because they're not there as much. So it takes reaching out to them. It takes sending them notes, cards, texting, as long as mom and dad are okay with the texting part of it. Um, so that's something that I think has gotten, gotten even harder these days than early on. Um, this family structure was a little more sound back when my kids were growing up or when you were growing up, Anthony. But that is um, something that I see is still, it's, it's getting harder and harder to do ministry around. The pandemic didn't help. One thing during the pandemic, though, um, we were able, we started church back, we started up in August. Uh, we, I think we stopped in March when they shut everything down or something like that. But we came back in and, and uh, we made it happen. It was hard, but we made it happen. And so we were still seeing them during that time. And I think that was a good thing. But um, the just not having the kids there is a big challenge. Um, the world's brutal, isn't it? And Satan is still here to kill, still and destroy. So um, that is a little more open. I think now things going on in the world 
I think that's something that's hard to navigate. Uh, truth is hard now because we know it because we know Jesus, right? We know the Bible. We know the truth. We know the word. But uh, the world doesn't know that. Uh, there's a lot in the world that doesn't know it. Um, so trying to get truth out there, uh, we've got this AI stuff, uh, AI stuff com going coming. And um, gosh, how are we going to know what is truth and what isn't truth unless we're in the word? So I do see that as a difference uh, from when way back. That's that's all mm -hmm. new stuff. Um, but I do think uh, the relationship with the Jesus is the important thing and um, trying to figure out how to make that because um, we're, we're competing against a society that's always on screen. And mm -hmm. so, and even in church, we now use our uh, large group lesson is taught by um, a video that we use. So I think um, just teaching the children that they're loved by Jesus um, the word is important to know. You've got to memorize that scripture because when you're going through the hard times, when you're in those middle school years and high school years, when you don't feel loved, you don't feel like you're worthy, um, they need to know that Jesus loves them. They need to know that they can go to him no matter what, that we can do, we can make mistakes and he still cares for us. He still wants, he's, he's running behind us trying to catch us. Um, so just turn around and fall into his arms when uh, you're hurting and that's the thing that i think that i would um, stress is that the kid of my childhood your childhood and today's just need to know that they are loved no matter what they do they are loved and that jesus uh, died for them to cover all those sins and that um they don't have to they don't have to be alone in this world and that he's the one to run to. So that might be packaged differently, but that's still the gospel is the main um, thing we need to get across to them. The main, they just need to know Jesus loves them. He died for them and he is in heaven preparing a place for them. And uh, I, the closer I get to it, the more excited I am. However, I've got grandkids that I need to uh, continue to speak life into. So, but yeah, I think, uh, there's a lot that's changing faster and faster. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm curious if you have any words of encouragement uh, for people in your generation or older uh, for how they can invest in and encourage the younger generation. And part of, uh, part of what I wanna try to do myself and then without being aggressively condemning uh, to, to generations ahead of me, but the, the trend of disparaging younger generations or finding their quirks and just criticizing them and, and making fun of, um, I don't want to foster that kind of culture. And so, um, so kind of counteracting that, what are some ways we could give more positive reinforcement or encouragement to older uh, adults who, how can they, how would you say, hey, let's let's pour into the next generation or let's encourage them in, in these ways? What are some things you would say? 
Well, I read a headline a while back that said loneliness and social isolation have been linked to serious health issues. So older people have a tendency to think they're done. I'm retired. I am going to stay home. I'm going to uh, do what I want to do. I'm going to travel, so forth. Not that traveling is bad. I don't mean that it is. But I think we have an um, obligation to continue to speak life into um, our children, but also the children in our church, in our community, that we need to be continually sharing Jesus with them. I don't care what the age is. We need to be up and moving around. We need to, we have wisdom. We really do have some wisdom that comes with growing old. And, and I think we need to be out sharing it the best we can. Obviously people don't want to listen to a lecture, but um, we do have um, some things that we can teach the younger people or the parents or the, the women that are raising children, the women and men, the single moms. Um, I, I mean, I, I look back on my life and uh, uh, I'm raising the two children, uh, my spending habits, my prayer habits. I can share what worked and what didn't work with um, the younger women, uh, where I let my guard down and where I was successful in raising the kids, um, the things I wish I would have done, uh, but didn't know any better at the time. I would encourage my generation to reach out and ask, where can I serve or where or, or I can find a couple. In fact, anyway, Steve and I are, are were asked to be a part of a, a marriage um, mentoring group that we're doing, starting at the church. So things like that, that we're going to start getting involved in. Um, when I was in my 40s, I had an older woman, woman, and you would know her probably, would pray for my children, specifically pray for my children. She was a prayer warrior. Um she couldn't get out much, but she spent time praying for the kids in our church. And I appreciated that. And, and the older people can do that if they can't get out or, well, even if they can, we need their prayers. Um, God does, retirement was never a word. It's a, I don't think I've ever found it in the, the word. Have you in the Bible? Have you, Anthony? Have you ever found no. that word in the Bible? No, I don't, I, I don't think so. Moses sure didn't retire, did he? So some of those, uh, those people that we know in the Bible they didn't retire. Um, I, I used a lot of people in ministry by, uh, you know, helping prep the stuff for the, the classes in, in, the, in the church. And uh, so we used a lot of them. There was plenty of things for um, us older people to do um, and rock babies in the nursery. We really are. I don't know if your church is, but, but we are needing volunteers. Our, uh, our, uh, our children's department needs them. And so um, there's a lot of older people in our congregation that could step up or people that aren't active right now. So we need to be um, in, in the uh, fight for our children because it is a fight because if we don't put, spend time and hours helping them or teaching them, Satan's going to come along and grab them and snatch them. He's got so much stuff out there in the world that draws them anyway to them that we have to get a hold of them early in their life and let the Lord uh, work. Um, I'd like to encourage my generation not to sit around and let your mind run wild. Um, it's important to take every captive thought, like I mentioned earlier, and to spend time in his word, memorizing scripture, praying for your neighbors, uh, taking meals. I take a meal probably once a week to somebody, Anthony. 
um, and and doing things like that to pay um, to to um, to uh, stay active and stay I, well. I'm just a servant at heart, so that's what I do. I have an oldie, an eighty-year-old uh, friend who goes into the schools and still reads to the children in schools. And so there's so many things we can do to pour back into these young people's lives. There are some tremendous young kids out there. Um, and we need to remember uh, that they are, they are the, the next generation. They're already working and serving and can make a difference in this world. And so we've got to be ready to pour into them. So I would encourage my age. I'm, I'll be 67 in a couple of, um, a couple of weeks. And there's no way I'm going to sit back and watch children grow up without Jesus. If there's any way that I can make a difference in a kid's life, I'm going to do it for him. Um, not for myself and not for my glory, but for him. And so um, we have so much to offer. We really do. And we need to quit uh, with the put downs. We need to quit with the... Uh, the uh, calling certain generations out. Um, we need to be active in making Jesus their forever friend. And we need to do that. We need to show them what that's like. What's it like to be a believer um, in old age, young age, middle age, high school? Um, we need to be very, very active in that area. We do. So. Yeah, that's good. So um there's a lot there's a lot you mentioned some things too earlier uh, a lot of things that are happening um and uh uh some of it can be concerning about um this next generation but i've also found i'm not that old but i've lived long enough that like uh and i did some generation studies for a class in seminary and seminary and different things about different historical things that sort of shaped a generation and how that influenced perhaps what we would say are the quirks that generation has and things like that. Um, but I found there's also sometimes something valuable too, or something meaningful or uh, uh, a contribution that a generation tends to have. And so what are some things that excite you about younger people? Uh, I think it'd be, actually, I think we're, there's Gen Z and I think they're starting uh i think we're reaching another even after gen z i don't know what it's um they i don't know if they've labeled them yet but so what are some things that excite you about this younger generation in the midst of all the technological advancements and all the quirks that this generation has what excites you well i i taught fifth and sixth grade this last uh, school year uh at sunday school uh sunday mornings and um, I'll tell you what, um, they know the Bible. This group of kids in our church know the Bible. And um, I was excited of the head knowledge that they have. And um, also, they tend to have a heart for Jesus. Um, it's good when you can match the head knowledge with the heart. Um, they, they understand a little bit. Of that of course there's a lot more ahead for them to learn and understand but that excites me um that they um have that love already for jesus and um the concern for the people out there in the world i think the 
Um, social media, like we talked about, can be bad, but there is so much that they can do. And they're, they're so techie smart. I mean, they are, I, I, you can reach the world. They, this generation can literally, literally be the ones that, that actually um, reach every tribe and nation um, because of what they do know. So that excites me because that's got to happen before Jesus comes back, right? Every nation and tongue needs to be reached. I mean, um, so that uh, excites me that they they do have that ability. And um, the uh, advancement in the health, um, there's so much, that there are miracle things going on. Um, God is using his people um, to, um, to do, not to do miracles. I don't mean that, but giving them the head knowledge they, to be able to um, be creative in those areas. And I think this generation um, has that ability to do it. Um, I am encouraged by the generation. There are things out there that scare me. Uh, well, not scare, but uh, saddens me. But I think it's just the seeking. They're seeking for Jesus. There's a hole there that they have to fill. And I think they feel fill it with the wrong things. And, and until we, this generation, your generation, um, uh, can reach them. Or Jesus, I guess Jesus can do it on his own. He doesn't need us. I mean, he can move the heart. The Holy Spirit can move any way it wants. And I guess that's what I would pray is that the Holy Spirit would be moving in this generation um, so that they can take all that they know, their knowledge, their what they have at their fingertips and, and uh and uh, bring others to Jesus. So, yeah, um, I, I'm excited about them. I, I do worry about them, not all of them, obviously, but I do, I do pray for them. Let's say I pray for them that um, that God can keep them safe in this world, and that um, the strengths that He has given them, and the strengths that this um, what we have in this world today, all of the good things that they can use those to um, further the kingdom. And, uh, but I do see some strong, very intelligent, God-loving uh, kids growing up in the kids department and the, and the youth department. I see them some great um, uh, small group leaders up in our youth group, it's just amazing. So, yeah. I think too, Anthony, that I am obviously a public school. I, um, my kids and, husband was in or in the public school or are in the public school system but I think homeschooling has become a really big thing and um I've seen I've met a lot of really neat homeschooled kids who um are are just I think they'll be changing the world as well so yeah yeah I want to validate what you said too about the medical even just medical advancements and the creative and things that um uh, border on the line of seeming miraculous compared to what could have been done. And it's not in the sense of like the supernatural, uh, yeah. maybe yes. miraculous, but I think sometimes we put too much of a divide between the supernatural and um, the material, perhaps. I think God did create us in his image. And one of the ways I think we reflect that image is mm -hmm. through that creative uh, life-giving endeavors and um, that we don't have to see it as taking glory away from God that 
doctors, even doctors who maybe don't aren't submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, they don't know it, but um, God created us with this amazing capacity to apprehend truth and knowledge and um, put it to good. We put it to evil sometimes, but like, um, I don't know. I think there doesn't, Matt, that could be another podcast. Maybe we don't, we don't have to have such a divide between um, or see it as stealing glory, I guess, from God. Um, oh, it he has it administers us. healing. Yes. He has given us that mind. And uh, if we can use it for him, uh, then he gets the glory. Yes. Yeah. So um, you're retired from vocational ministry. Um, like, like we said, there's that word's not in the Bible. Um, so people never really retire when you're when you're following Jesus. So what does retirement look like for you? What are the ways that you're still you mentioned a little bit of this, but maybe some of the ways you're still serving um, and some of the ways that you're, you know, enjoying not being in vocational ministry anymore. What are some of the ways that you you know, like to relax and, and things you do for fun? Well, um, you know, I thought that I would be relaxing a little bit more than I am, but I'm pretty busy. Um, it, it's true that what they say, um, when you look back, you think, how did I ever have time to work? Because now <laughs> I'm, I'm just busy, busy. Um, but I do continue to serve in the Grace Kids. I, I do teach some Sunday school classes. Um, I took the summer off, but I have subbed in a few times there. Uh, I also serve as the care team leader at Grace Church, which means um, people that are in hospitals. We, there's like about 10 teams under, under that title. Um, and I lead those teams. It's, um, it would be like uh, if someone's in the hospital or sick and I contact them and then we contact other people to uh, make meals and whatnot. We have a, we even have a, a shut in, obviously visitation, things like that. So I'm in charge of that. Um, and then I work at the welcome kiosk every other month and welcome people into the church when they come in. Um, so I've, I've not at all uh, shut down that part of my life. I still continue to serve in the church. Um, Steve, my husband just retired last year and uh, he's or just this year, and he's still kind of feeling things out and figuring out what God wants him to do. And he's been an usher at the church um, for a number of years. And he's also working on a the pickleball uh, a, a team and program type thing at the church for us older people, or actually anybody that wants to play. Um, and and I mentioned earlier, but we've been asked to be a part of a marriaging mentoring, a marriage mentoring program. Um, I also babysat for my one and a half year old Brooks, and uh, I babysat for him every day. Um, and that that is hard when you're sixty seven and lugging around but he's a pretty guy, big guy and so um it's hard but I love it and I would not have it any other way um I am just happy to be able to speak life and Jesus into my grandchildren um and Steve and I will always do that uh, I'm open to whatever God has um, and where to lead me if there's other I had prayed not long ago that God used me wherever you want and um then I get a email from Anthony. So um, just just want to do whatever God wants me to do and serve wherever he wants me to serve. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah, but I that's the things I'm doing. It fills my cup. It really does. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've spoken with 
um, yeah, some other people who are retired from, from ministry and it, I seem to get the, the feeling that you feel a little bit even more freedom than you did before to kind of just be open to whatever God has for you, which is really yes. awesome. Yes. I Now, you know what I don't miss, I guess, would be the stress of having to have uh, uh, my teams put together and ready for Sunday morning. And I don't miss all of that stress. Um, and the Lord just, I just knew when it was time. That That's another story. Um, I knew when it was time, but anyway, that's yeah. for another day. But yeah. Um, yeah. So are there not that um, not not to put because you said these things fill your cup. So not to put uh, serving in all these ways against having fun. But are there some things that you and Steve are able to um, kind of enjoy in this season of life? kind of just the two of you um, that are uh, um, uh, I don't I don't want to make it sound like it's a selfish endeavors at all or anything like that but just things that uh, you're you're free to do now just you and him and uh, together or with your family and uh, travel or, or fun things like go for walks more I, I don't know what what are some things that you do well, we have, uh, you know one of the best things I think a married couple can do and like early on we we were eight years without children uh, we would go on walks a lot and I think those um, solidified us they kept us together they we talk when you walk you talk and uh, or at least I do and uh, but um, yeah yeah uh, um, so yes, so we do love to walk. We love to walk. I love to garden. And so I'm out in my garden a lot early in the morning, early in the morning. And I think uh, Jesus meets me there too. And so um, I do, I love to garden and we, we will be doing a little bit more traveling. He is just retired. I mean, like a month or two. And so um, we uh, do want to do some traveling that we probably won't. I'm not, anxious to go overseas that just doesn't you know to go other than israel that would be a place i would like to go but um no uh we'll do some traveling we will do that uh we have uh date nights every night we go get a coke i get a tea he gets a coke so we have those little date nights and well we've done that for years but um yes we will we will be doing some traveling uh we'll be playing some pickleball um uh, he rides his bike and uh, that's an activity he really likes to do. And uh, me, not so much. And um, I'm trying to exercise more because that's better for us. But we do like, um, we both like to read. And, uh, but I think the traveling will be some things that we do. We just haven't got yet gotten to that just yet. Um, so we did go uh, for my, they actually gave me uh, when I retired, they gave me a cabin in Yellowstone, the, uh, a trip to Yellowstone. They, they didn't, wow. It wasn't the trip, but the cabin. And so the first year I couldn't go because Steve had some health issues. And so we couldn't go. So they, um, we, the next year, the flood in Yellowstone and we can go, um, happened. And so this year we finally got to go do that. And, uh, we did enjoy being out on the road together. So, I think we'll do a lot more of that when we, when things uh, slow down, kind of hard when you're babysitting it. So, um, yeah, but we'll get, that's so a I found some thing. people, uh, I found some people are kind of like mountains, Colorado or Tennessee people and then beach people. Are you and Steve mountains people or beach people? We are both, but 
every spring break was always to the same beach. Our kids grew up there and they still go to back there uh, on spring breaks. Um, but yes, we do like the beach, but we also love the mountains. Smoky mountains yeah. are beautiful. All of the mountains, even out west, they're just gorgeous. But um, yes, we do like the mountains, but we do like laying on the beach. <laughs> yeah. So both. Yeah. Yes. And no, I'm looking fair. forward to, I actually, my goal, this would be my goal. I would love to visit all of the uh, major league baseball stadiums in uh, the U.S. Yes. That's what I would like to do. So, and yeah. Steve's a sports yeah. He's not going to fight me on that one. I think he'll yeah. be. He'll be. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, what's what? What is the the team that you are? You know, oh, Cubs. For Allen to the Cubs. The Cubs. Yes, okay. we are the. Yes, and they are doing well right now. They, they are. They, well, yeah. So they're doing well right now. Yeah, they were. I'm a White, I'm a White Sox you? fan, so I can't say the same thing. Um, <laughs> it's been rough. And but. also. Uh, football fans, because Steve coached football for a lot of 30 some years. And uh, uh, we are Michigan University. We're Wolverine. Yeah, I don't cool. know how that happened, but it, we have been for years and years and years. And so we moved to a school that was blue and gold as well with the M. So, you know. Yeah, it's ironic. So I don't keep up with sports a lot, but I do know the Mooresville uh, school colors and even, yeah, the logo. Yes. looks very similar to Michigan. So that's kind of funny, kind of ironic. It is. It wasn't planned that way. It probably helped, though, when we were seeking out uh, what school to go to. <laughs> it's a sign from God. <laughs> yeah. Well, Linda, this has been so good. Um, thank you for sharing uh, parts of your story and your ministry experience and, and the wisdom. Um, it's good to see your face again. Uh, it's been a while. Um, I guess in some ways, uh, uh, serving in kids ministry was was kind of the beginning of of my ministry. I I don't remember. I think I was in middle school, but I think I was one of those teen helpers. Uh, uh, in I think it was the Sunday night classroom uh, for for a couple of years um, there, uh, and then there were some other things like Weekend of Champions that helped with and, and stuff but yeah yes yeah absolutely i remember anthony i remember yeah yeah you roped me into serving and stuff i will say i've done youth ministry and now adult ministry i don't think i'm a kid's pastor um <laughs> but they no, say i like all kinds god gives you know all yeah. of us different and talents so it takes and i could not do youth i could not in the team when i say youth i mean team i mm -hmm. i Although I did help Steve and I love that. And we got really close to teenagers and Steve still is, but um, I'm a kid person. I am. Yeah. So yeah. Very and my good. big family helped. To, to, and I knew for some reason when I was a, a young, young teen, I, I was the one that always had the games going with the little kids, you know, in my house and my family. So yeah. Yeah. Scary. Well, thank you again for your time. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, if you found this episode helpful or encouraging or uh, uh, just insightful, uh, I encourage you to like, share. You can rate on iTunes. All of those things help expand our listener base. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining Theologizing Life.